Part three of Mopsa the Fairy by Jean Ingelow. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Noel Badrian. Chapter four Bees and Other Fellow Creatures. The dove laid some little sticks, then began to coo. The gnat took his trumpet up to play the day through. The pie chattered soft and long, but that she always does. The bee did all he had to do, and only said buzz. When Jack at length opened his eyes, he found that it was night, for the full moon was shining. But it was not at all a dark night, for he could see distinctly some black birds that looked like ravens. They were sitting in a row on the edge of the boat. Now that he had fairies in his pockets, he could understand bird talk, and he heard one of these ravens saying, There is no meat so tender. I wish I could pick their little eyes out. Yes, said another. Fairies are delicate eating indeed. We must speak Jack Fair if we want to get at them. And she heaved up a deep sigh. Jack lay still, and thought he had better pretend to be asleep, but they soon noticed that his eyes were open, and one of them presently walked up his leg and bowed, and asked if he was hungry. Jack said no. No more am I, replied the raven, not at all hungry. Then she hopped off his leg, and Jack sat up. And how are the sweet fairies that my young master is taking to their home? asked another of the ravens. I hope they are safe in my young master's pockets. Jack felt in his pockets. Yes, they were all safe, but he did not take any of them out, lest the ravens should snatch at them. Eh, continued the raven, pretending to listen. Did this dear young gentleman say that the fairies were asleep? It doesn't amuse me to talk about fairies, said Jack, but if you would explain some of the things in this country that I cannot make out, I should be very glad. What things? asked the blackest of the ravens. Why, said Jack, I see a full moon lying down there among the water flags, and just going to set, and there is a half moon overhead plunging among those great grey clouds and just this moment i saw a thin crescent moon peeping out between the branches of that tree well said all the ravens at once did the young master never see a crescent moon in the men and women's world oh yes said jack did he never see a full moon asked the ravens yes of course said jack but they are the same moon i could never see all three of them at the same time the ravens were very much surprised at this, and one of them said, If my young master did not see the moons, it must have been because he didn't look. Perhaps my young master slept in a room and had only one window. If so, he couldn't see all the sky at once. I tell you, raven, said Jack, laughing, that I know there is never more than one moon in my country and sometimes there is no moon at all. Upon this, 
all the ravens hung down their heads and looked very much ashamed for there is nothing that birds hate so much as to be laughed at and they believed that jack was saying this to mock them and that he knew what they had come for so first one then another hopped to the other end of the boat and flew away till at last there was only one left and she appeared to be out of spirits and did not speak again till he spoke to her raven said jack there is something very cold and slippery lying at the bottom of the boat i touched it just now and i don't like it at all it's a water snake said the raven and she stooped and picked up a long thin thing with her beak which she threw out and then looked over the water swarms with them wicked murderous creatures they smell the young fairies and they want to eat them jack was so thrown off his guard that he snatched one fairy out just to make sure that it was safe it was the one with the moustache and alas in one instant the raven flew at it got it out of his hand and pecked off its head before it had time to wake or jack to rescue it then as she slowly rose she croaked and said to jack you'll catch it for this my young master and she flew to the bough of a tree where she finished eating the fairy and threw his little empty coat into the river on this jack began to cry bitterly and to think what a foolish boy he had been he was the more sorry because he did not even know that poor little fellow's name but he had heard the others calling by name to their companions and very grand names they were too one was jovinian he was a very fierce-looking gentleman the other two were roxaletta and mopsa presently however jack forgot to be unhappy for two of the moons went down and then the sun rose and he was delighted to find that however many moons there might be there was only one sun even in the country of the wonderful river so on and on they went but the river was very wide and the waves were boisterous on the right bank was a thick forest of trees with such heavy foliage that a little way off they looked like a bank green and smooth and steep but as the light became clearer jack could see here and there the great stems and see creatures like foxes wild boars and deer come stealing down to drink in the river it was very hot here not at all like the spring weather he had left behind and as the low sunbeam shone into jack's face he said hastily without thinking of what would occur i wish i might land amongst those lovely glades on the left bank no sooner said than the boat began to make for the left bank and the nearer they got towards it the more beautiful it became but also the more stormy were the reaches of water they had to traverse a lovely country indeed it sloped gently down to the water's edge and beautiful trees were scattered over it soft mossy grass grew everywhere great old laburnum trees stretched their boughs down in patches over the water and higher up camellias almost as large as hawthorns grew together and mingled their red and white flowers the country was not so open as a park it was more like a half-cleared woodland but there was a wide space just where the boat was steering for 
that had no trees only a few flowering shrubs here groups of strange-looking people were bustling about and there were shrill fifes sounding and drums further back he saw rows of booths or tents under the shade of the trees in another place some people dressed like gypsies had made fires of sticks just at the skirts of the woodland and were boiling their pots some of these had very gaudy tilted carts hung all over with goods such as baskets brushes mats little glasses pottery and beads it seemed to be a kind of fair to which people had gathered from all parts but there was not one house to be seen all the goods were either hung upon the trees or collected in strange-looking tents the people were not all of the same race indeed he thought the only human beings were the gypsies for the folk who had tents were no taller than himself how hot it was that morning and as the boat pushed itself into a little creek and made its way among the beds of yellow and purple iris which skirted the brink what a crowd of dragonflies and large butterflies rose from them stay where you are cried jack to the boat and at that instant such a splendid moth rose slowly that he sprang on shore after it and quite forgot the fair and the people in his desire to follow it the moth settled on a great red honey flower and he stole up to look at it as large as a swallow it floated on before him its wings were nearly black and they had spots of gold on them when it rose again jack ran after it till he found himself close to the rows of tents where the brown people stood and they began to cry out to him what'll you buy what'll you buy sir and they crowded about him so that he soon lost sight of the moth and forgot everything else in his surprise at the booths they were full of splendid things clocks and musical boxes strange china ornaments embroidered slippers red caps and many kinds of splendid silks and small carpets in other booths were swords and dirks glittering with jewels and the chatter of the people when they talked together was not in a language that jack could understand some of the booths were square and evidently made of common canvas for when you went into them and the sun shone you could distinctly see the threads but scattered a little further on in groups were some round tents which were far more curious they were open on all sides and consisted only of a thick canopy overhead which was supported by one beautiful round pillar in the middle outside the canopy was white or brownish but when jack stood under these tents he saw that they were lined with splendid flutings of brown or pink silk what looked like silk at least for it was impossible to be sure whether these were real tents or gigantic mushrooms they varied in size also as mushrooms do and in shape some were large enough for twenty people to stand under them and had flat tops with a brown lining others had dome-shaped roofs these were lined with pink and would only shelter six or seven the people who sold in these tents were as strange as their neighbours 
each had a little high cap on his head in shape just like a beehive and it was made of straw and had a little hole in front in fact jack very soon saw bees flying in and out and it was evident that these people had their honey made on the premises they were chiefly selling country produce they had cheeses so large as to reach to their waists and the women trundled them along as boys do their hoops they sold a great many kinds of seed too in wooden bowls and cakes and good things to eat such as gilt gingerbread jack bought some of this and found it very nice indeed but when he took out his money to pay for it the little man looked rather strangely at it and turned it over with an air of disgust then jack saw him hand it to his wife who also seemed to dislike it and presently jack observed that they followed him about first on one side then on the other at last the little woman slipped her hand into his pocket and jack putting his hand in directly found his sixpence had been returned why you've given me back my money he said the little woman put her hands behind her i do not like it she said it's dirty at least it's not new no it's not new said jack a good deal surprised but it is a good sixpence the bees don't like it continued the little woman they like things to be neat and new and that sixpence is bent what shall i give you then said jack the good little woman laughed and blushed this young gentleman has a beautiful whistle round his neck she observed politely but did not ask for it jack had a dog whistle so he took it off and gave it to her thank you for the bees she said they love to be called home when we've collected flowers for them so she made a pretty curtsy and went away to her customers there were some very strange creatures also about the same height as jack who had no tents and seemed there to buy not sell yet they looked poorer than the other folk and they were also very cross and discontented nothing pleased them their clothes were made of moss and their mantles of feathers and they talked in a queer whistling tone of voice and carried their skinny little children on their backs and on their shoulders they were treated with great respect by the people in the tents and when jack asked his friend to whom he had given the whistle what they were and where they got so much money as they had she replied that they lived over the hills and were afraid to come in their best clothes they were rich and powerful at home and they came shabbily dressed and behaved humbly lest their enemies should envy them it was very dangerous she said to fairies to be envied jack wanted to listen to their strange whistling talk but he could not for the noise and cheerful chattering of the brown folks and more still for the screaming and talking of parrots among the goods were hundreds of splendid gilt cages which were hung by long gold chains from the trees each cage contained a parrot and his mate and they all seemed to be very unhappy indeed the parrot could talk 
and they kept screaming to the discontented woman to buy things for them and trying very hard to attract attention one old parrot made himself quite conspicuous by these efforts he flung himself against the wires of his cage he squalled he screamed he knocked the floor with his beak till jack and one of the customers came running up to see what was the matter what do you make such a fuss for cried the discontented woman you've set your cage swinging with knocking yourself about and what good does that do i cannot break the spell and open it for you i know that answered the parrot sobbing but it hurts my feelings so that you should take no notice of me now that i have come down in the world yes said the parrot's mate it hurts our feelings i haven't forgotten you answered the woman more crossly than ever i was buying a measure of maize for you when you began to make such a noise jack thought this was the queerest conversation he had ever heard in his life and he was still more surprised when the bird answered i would much rather you would buy me a pocket handkerchief here we are shut up without a chance of getting out and with nobody to pity us and we can't even have the comfort of crying because we've got nothing to wipe our eyes with but at least replied the woman you can cry now if you please and when you had your other face you could not buy me a handkerchief sobbed the parrot i can't afford both whined the cross woman and i've paid now for the maize so saying she went back to the tent to fetch her present to the parrots and as their cage was still swinging jack put out his hand to steady it for them and the instant he did so they became perfectly still and all the other parrots on that tree who had been flinging themselves about in their cages left off screaming and became silent too the old parrot looked very cunning his cage hung by such a long gold chain that it was just on a level with jack's face and so many odd things had happened that day that it did not seem more odd than usual to hear him say in a tone of great astonishment it's a boy if ever there was one yes said jack i'm a boy you won't go yet will you said the parrot no don't said a great many other parrots jack agreed to stay a little while upon which they all thanked him i had no notion you were a boy till you touched my cage said the old parrot jack did not know how this could have told him so he only answered indeed i'm a fairy observed the parrot in a confidential tone we are imprisoned here by our enemies the gypsies so we are answered a chorus of other parrots i'm sorry for that replied jack i'm friends with the fairies don't tell said the parrot drawing a film over his eyes and pretending to be asleep at that moment his friend in the moss petticoat and feather cloak came up with a little measure of maize and poured it into the cage here neighbor she said i must say good-bye now for the gypsy is coming this way and i want to buy some of her goods well thank you 
answered the parrot sobbing again but i could have wished it had been a pocket handkerchief i'll lend you my handkerchief said jack here and he drew it out and pushed it between the wires the parrot and his wife were in a great hurry to get jack's handkerchief they pulled it in very hastily but instead of using it they rolled it up into a ball and the parrot wife tucked it under her wing it makes me tremble all over said she to think of such good luck i say observed the parrot to jack i know all about it now you've got some of my people in your pockets not of my own tribe but fairies by this jack was sure that the parrot really was a fairy himself and he listened to what he had to say the more attentively end of part three